Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. So if you listen to this episode long enough, we're going to talk about Go Wild. And if you listen to the bonus episode we're doing later this week, we're going to talk about Go Wild. Go Wild is a free social community. Um, you know, it's a place where your photos are not going to be censored. In fact, they are encouraged. And it gives you points for sharing photos and trophies that those points turn into monetary discounts and things like that. There's a lot of good brands that you can, you know, go buy there. A lot of known brands, um, Treason, Otis Technology, Irish Setter Boots, and Garmin, and Vortex, and plenty, plenty more. There's a lot to do there. It's a really strong community. And there's some cool features in there, too, that, you know, we talk about on our episode later this week. And even, even tonight, with just a way to meet other hunters that might have common interests and help you with their gear, um, find people that are nearby. And OKS Hunter now has their our very own uh, Go Wild profile, which just happened today, Tuesday, as I'm recording this February 1st. So if you happen to be on there, definitely go follow me, Greg, and Derek, uh, but also do a search for OKS Hunter and give us a follow there too. Uh, it'll be exciting to, to start to do a lot of what we've been doing elsewhere with our social stuff on Go Wild as well. You can go check out uh, GoWild.com, and you can download their their mobile app today or whenever you get around to it. And the the link for their app is also in our show notes. This is the OKS Hunter podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks. That's just meat in the freezer. It's your tag. You hunt how you want. This is OKS Hunter. Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the OKS Hunter Podcast, coming at you from the OKS Hunter Podcast Studio. I feel like the name's a little redundant. Maybe I should, like, change that or something. Anyway, uh, we're here in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, broadcasting live to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and now also TikTok. And hopefully people on TikTok can hear me. I can't tell because I can't see that far because I'm getting old. Um, but I'm using my phone for that. So anyway, hopefully that's working. Want to do a... Shout out to our sponsors here. Our presenting sponsor, the big name on the screen if you're watching live, is Spartan Forge. I should have an update from them next week about some of the updates they're doing uh, for their application. That should be dropping, and then you can get an app update from the App Store. So that'll be, whatever, next Tuesday. That'll be a good one. We have a, yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, but if you haven't heard of those guys, check them out, uh, SpartanForge.ai. You can get a 25% discount by using our podcast code, which is just OHP. stands for OK Sunder Podcasts. Um, shout out to Drop Time Spirits for keeping us. I'm going dry in the studio here. I haven't had that in a little bit. It's really delicious. And uh, Latitude Outdoors, they're friends of ours, and so is Backwoods Grind Coffee. Uh, we don't have a discount code for Latitude. I should probably check with them and see if they want to get us one. 
And uh, Backwoods Grind is OHP for 10% off your subscription. Anywho, uh, any updates? I don't know that I have updates. I don't think so. This bottle here so those guys can see it. Um, and this one here. I don't know. Greg is not in studio. Uh, I've been sick perpetually for like three weeks. Our kids are still puking. It's just been every day cleaning up puke in beds at night. Mainly my wife, by the way. And uh, Derek was sick, so just decided to keep everyone out of the house. So you're just looking at me tonight, and we do have a guest with us. So I'm going to bring him on in just a moment. That's Justin Sinan. And I hope, Justin, I got your name right. You can tell me. <laughs> I know you can hear me. Yeah, you, you got it right, brother. Yeah, all right. I always get so worried because I've messed up so many names over the last, like, decade. So Yeah, I'm totally used to it. I feel like half the people that say my name butcher it. So you did good. Cool. Well, welcome to the OKS Hunter podcast. I think you and I were both at ATA, but I don't know that I actually had the opportunity to meet you there. Uh, and I know you also talk with Greg on like social, like everybody does. So, Greg, right. he's a slut. <laughs> I can oh, say man. that because he's not here at the moment. He joined us virtually, but I'm not going to bring him in until I see his face. He's not there. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, brother. It's uh, it's great to be on here. Uh, you know, I listen to you guys a lot. Always, always get a good laugh whenever I'm listening. Oh, there he is. There he is, old gray beard. What's up? What's up? I don't know why, but you guys sound really quiet on this phone, so I got to see if I can find <laughs> some earphones. Yeah, it's probably your phone's fault. I don't know. Our audio looks good over here, so. No, it's it's definitely on my end. Yeah, classic. You're an old man. You got to figure out how to work the technology. Thanks. You let us know when you're ready, Greg. Give me a no, thumbs keep up. Keep talking. Oh, okay. All right. Well then, you don't you don't need to wait for me. Keep talking. Do what you do best. Justin, I want you to introduce yourself because you'll do it better than I ever could. Um, go ahead and take it take it away. You're, I I could do it a little bit. I'll just let you do it, man. I got you. I got you. Well, uh, like I said, appreciate you guys having me. Uh, my name's Justin Sonnen. I'm actually filming with uh, Whitetail Addictions and uh, with Lone Wolf Custom Gear. This will be my third uh, season with them. Um, had an episode last year that dropped uh, from a public land buck I killed. And looking forward to the episode from this year. I actually was lucky enough to kill my biggest buck to date, which uh, was part of my goal for this year, something at least in the 150s or bigger. And uh, got super blessed. I totally underestimated the size of this buck, and uh, he ended up going 165. But uh, – Score is just a number, you know, I, I'm not really one of those guys that's hardcore to the number. It's it's all about having fun and uh, just loving the outdoors. But I moved uh, moved here to Kentucky. Uh, right now I'm in West Central Kentucky. And I moved uh, moved here two years ago from Maryland. And um, we just wanted to, to have some freedom, more freedom, uh, bigger bucks, of course. And, uh, you know, just wanted to raise our kids a little bit differently. I was way more fast paced life in Maryland than it is here. And, uh, we love it. I mean, it's, it's awesome, man. Um, I can't, I, I don't regret it for one second. You know, I miss my friends and family, but, uh, it's been great just moving and, uh, having like a fresh start and people here are awesome. So that's pretty, and cool. there's some big deer. So it's uh, all around great. Um, but so ATA must've been easy for you to get to being right in Kentucky. Cause there was some inclement weather at that Thursday and people were driving in the stories I've heard. Um, yeah, it was pretty bad, man. I actually had to pick my mom up from the airport that Friday, like when it started and it was nuts. 
I mean, I couldn't believe it. It took us four hours to get home. Usually, like, Louisville is an hour and a half from my house. So, yeah, I was not enjoying that whatsoever. But my wife and I, we went on Saturday, and we had a blast. It was my first year at the ATA, so I had a great time. So cool being able to just walk around and see all the people that you, you know, see on TV and on YouTube. And most of the guys are super cool. You know, it, it's, it was uh, kind of mind blowing that, you know, most of the guys will give you the time of day and like, just, just uh, can't wait to go back next year. I hope they have it again. Like I heard word that uh, they were getting rid of it. I didn't hear that. I think people okay. were just weird that some folks dropped out. I think it made for a more productive show. I heard similar things about shot and, you know, they're just not, they're not going, they're not going anywhere um, from what I gather. But to that point, man, like, you know, if you're in Louisville, are you drinking bourbon all the time? Are you smoking meat, Uh, barbecuing? Like that's got to come with the culture, right? Yeah, totally, man. Honestly, uh, when I was younger, I drank a lot of wild turkey and stuff and I kind of got away from it and coming here. It's like a lot of my buddies are like, well, you either drink moonshine or you're drinking bourbon. (laughs) One of the two. So it's, uh, it's good. I mean, Actually, right now I'm kind of taking a little hiatus and trying to to get back in shape, lose this beer belly, and uh, hit it hard for next year. I really want to be in a little bit better shape than I was this year. So there you go. I mean, rounds the shape if we're being technical. So I mean, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. <laughs> yeah. How you want to position your argument? Yeah. So you're doing a little bit of stuff. Did you did you hang out at the Lone Wolf Custom Gear booth while you were there, or were you there with those guys? Because I know you're talk about a little bit what you're doing with those guys. Because I'm running the Lone Wolf. Custom gear, double steps, uh, double sticks. Uh, I'm running their saddle platform, and I'm running their pack, the green pack. I don't know what it's called because I don't know anything about gear. I never got interested. The wolf pack? Dude, it's nice. Isn't it awesome, dude? I mean, honestly, that thing helped me so much. I guess you're running the ambush platform. Is that what you're doing? Yep. It's a larger one. I know the new one isn't out yet. So once that one does come out, I'm going to get my hands on that because my goal is to put it inside of the bag. Right. I am running the exact same setup you have. Um, this whole season, I ran three of the uh, seventeen-inch sticks, and I had the cable waders on them. And I mean, it, you can't beat it, man. I honestly like, I can't speak. And it, it's not just because I'm on their team. I literally like truly believe that's some of the best gear out there. And I'm just honored to be a part of the team with these guys, and they're all great guys. Uh, like. I got to meet a few people that I haven't met before at ATA and everybody was super cool. Um, just, just kind of humbled. Cause you know, for me, I, I kind of feel like I'm like, Oh, I, I know I'm not a, a newbie, but it's just like, you know, for filming and you see these guys and they're knocking down like booners, you know, consistently. So you're, I, for me, I'm just looking to learn stuff and that's kind of the coolest thing for me. And it's taking their approach to it is just one of the, you know, it just seems like every year I'm picking up more and more and more from these guys. So it's, it's all around good. Yeah. I think they got a good crew. The, the products are the, the big differentiator that I see and understand from them is the, the systematized approach to things. It, right. Some of their products tend to really work well together. And yeah. I just, you know, it seemed nice to have these things that lock in It's low profile. It all fits. Like it was just really easy um, that's kind of what I was after. Otherwise, I, I just tend to be, you know, Murphy's Law, man. Anything that can go wrong for me will go wrong. Um, exactly, so. man. I, I mean, I've had some of my buddies, like, bitch about the price of it, and I say, I'm like, dude, you got people out here spending how much on a Sika outfit, right? You can't spend, like, 
some you can't spend like that money one time and buy quality hunting gear that you're going to use all year round. I mean, it just it just makes sense. And I mean, hell, even if you didn't like something, you could turn around and sell it for the exact same price you paid for it. And I mean, I can't say there's that many products out there you could do that with, but it's like they just can't produce it fast enough. Yeah, no, they have. Uh... That's demand, you know, it's, it's good that they have that. It shows that they have a quality product. Greg just flipped me off. I told him I won't bring it back on until he sits still. It's too distracting. <laughs> Walking all over his damn house. I know. I was wondering, I'm like, are you in your garage, dude? He's everywhere. He's just got to sit. Greg, when you sit still, I'll bring you back in. It's not even being mean. I just, it's too much going on. I, it's hard to focus. Uh, <laughs> you have some respect for the listener. <laughs> I forget which comedian said that, but uh, so, okay. Then you move from. Maryland to, to Kentucky. We talked a little bit about that and you talked about how it's like a slower, you know, pace for lifestyle stuff. And, um, you're obviously valuing your time outdoors and hunting and you have little ones. So what has that transition been like both from just lifestyle wise, but also has it been like a big learning curve from like terrain and, and how the deer are moving and where the public parcels are and all of that stuff? Yeah. It's, uh, well, for one, like our life's just so much cooler. We live, uh, right near a lake. So summer times are so much more enjoyable. We get to go out on the lake with the kids and eat dinner out on the water. And, uh, it's kind of, it's definitely a lot more fun. You know, the winter time for me, it's like it transitions from lake life to hunting life, you know, right away. And then it's, uh, like you said, with the, the terrain, it's, totally different than, than what I was going in. I mean, Maryland is kind of like mini America where you can go on the East side and you're in marsh and sand and like just flat ground. And then where I lived, uh, was about like mid, uh, mid North Maryland and it's like, you know, hill country. And then you can go all the way West and it's just mountains like West Virginia and, you know, East Kentucky, but the woods here are just so thick, man. And for, a bow hunter in the woods, it's just like a game changer because, you know, you're, you're in this area, you know, like I know there's good deer around this kind of area, but the woods are so much more vast and it's like, where am I going to narrow down and where am I actually going to even get a shot at a deer at in here? And, uh, that's been like the biggest challenge. And I kind of got lucky this past year, uh, I met, I met some uh, people and got permission on a nice size farm and that really helped out. I mean, that was, so I had the farm, I try, tried to leave the farm alone. Um, you know, unless like there was something big in there and I just hunted public and that was, that's kind of my thing with around here for a bow hunter, the public land is not near as hammered as it is like where I came from. Um, so that's, that that's makes nice. a big difference. I think if you can find a good buck on public and usually you got to walk a good ways. I mean, the, the woods around here are pretty big, but there's good deer to be had on public ground. Um, I don't want to say too much, but you know, it's, it's one of those things uh, that I'm super blessed that I, I live near a lot of public parcels and I also have a, a nice private property to hunt. Also you sound like a Kentucky version of Greg heating and cooling public in your backyard access to a farm i mean yeah greg's, greg's beard might be a little bit better but are you finally situated over there big guy yeah not to bust your balls but... off <laughs> i'm i'm uh, home with the dog my wife will be home here shortly and 
as soon as she does pull in, the dog will go nuts, I'm sure. I'll just, so, I'll just mute oh. you when that happens and kick you back off. Yep. <laughs> but I'm glad you're here for a little bit. You guys are the reason that you're on the – well, not necessarily, but, like, Greg, you were talking yeah. to Justin on social because you're such a social butterfly out there on the gram. Right. But, That's me. So I, know, I was telling Eric, I'm like, I don't know how we started talking. I really don't even remember. But uh, maybe it was just like the yeah. HVAC. Yeah, it might have been something with HVAC, and you and I started chatting about it and and whatnot. And then, you know, obviously, we both share a passion for hunting and the outdoors and fishing and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah, we just started chatting about it. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> That's how it goes, though. You meet, exactly. you meet like-minded people by talking. If you don't talk to people, how do you get to know them? Oh, for sure, man. You be willing to take a chance, you know. That's, yeah. just the, that's just it. Yeah, I hear you. Have you ever had any bad experiences with meeting people online? Um, I've had a couple a couple bad experiences, but so far the, the positives have much outweighed the negative. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, but me too, man. Okay. I have not had there's there's a couple Yahoos here and there that'll right. comment this or that or the other thing. It's like, man, really? Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say, man, as... I feel like most people that are really into hunting, you know, like obviously we can relate to it, but it's like I don't know. If, I want to say like we're just a different breed than you know. Most of us all have the same passion and like different work ethic. You know what I mean? Like I just I think that's why. I, Pretty much anybody, it's like a decent person that's into hunting. Like I could sit and talk to any day. Yeah, one of the comments that just came through from Nico, a friend of ours over at the hunt, said he usually stalks for a few weeks before meeting people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like who's this guy? Nico, you know, I Nico of, knows how abnormal we are. So I got a lot good. of friend requests on Facebook, and yeah, that one's interesting because I don't know who half these people are, and yeah, there's personal stuff on there, but. I don't know. That that one is an interesting topic to navigate. But that's that's neither here nor there. I think to your point about the Kentucky being really thick terrain and that's not too dissimilar from here in Wisconsin. I don't know what the public tracks are like there, but you know, when I was in Kentucky it doesn't look that different. It's still Midwest. Yeah. You know, it's still pretty It really different. depends on where you're at, man. I guess like well, I would say around here it's more uh thick because there's so much more like select cuts that go in on in the woods around here. There's a lot of timber, and I think that's what creates, like, such a thick woods. But then, you know, you still got field edges, and, you know, you've got open hardwoods if you got a place that hasn't been cut. So it's really just finding the niche. Like, where I killed my buck last year was a direct transition from open hardwoods to thick hardwoods. And these deer would just work this ridge and just do, like, a J-hook right across from where the thick was to the to the open. And, I mean – me and a buddy set up. I actually was going to let him kill the deer that I shot. And, uh, cause like I, I had passed on him, which was crazy. I mean, I like, he was like a mid one forty class buck, but I just didn't want to shoot him. It was like early October is my first year hunting here. So I was like, man, I definitely want to hunt the rut. You know, we only got one buck tag. So I was a little bit on the fence, like, all right, uh, and I, I literally let him go like five yards and then I was like, Oh shit. Like, did I just mess up? Like, Oh no. And then I, I look back at the footage and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a stud. So my friend came in and I'm like, dude, I know exactly what tree we're going to use, you know, get into. It's a split tree. The wind's cutting right down the ridge. Like it's going to be perfect. And I mean, he 
completely like read the script. He just stopped, made a scrape, 15 yards, and I plugged him. That's awesome when that happens. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Right. It doesn't happen often. It was so cool. I, I, have you ever shot a deer with a friend in the tree? Not yet. I mean, almost with Greg. I almost was going to stick a five You almost shot out. a hunter, let's be honest. What? <laughs> that was you. No. Hey, buddy. Where's your arm fast? Greg was like, ready to draw back on this guy. He was so mad. Well, I hope it happens for you two, honestly, because there's no better feeling like than just having that go down and your buddy there because you just being able to share it, you know, is awesome. I usually am hunting with someone just not directly necessarily. Like my dad's been around and he's showed up and Greg was around when I missed that, that a pointer a couple of years ago. And I called him thinking, well, let's go take a look and see what happened here. But, um, yeah, it almost happened, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, imagine. I'm the same way for him. Like he's kind of like a, a newer, not that he's a new bow hunter, but he's a little bit, uh, like just getting into it more. And I was like, well, Hey, it's our first evening. Like, you know, if we're going to get on this deer, I'm going to film it. So, you know, he comes in and he's got all this, uh, he's got a whole tree in his rack. So (laughs) my buddy's like, there's a big buck. I'm like, you're full of shit. He's like, no, there's a big buck. Look. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, are you going to shoot it? He's like, no, you're going to shoot it. I'm like, oh, all right, game one. Like, say no more. I'll shoot him. <laughs> but uh, no, it was so cool. And then just to get it all on film was icing on the cake. It was really sweet. Our buddy Ryan from Deers and Beers just said group hunting is the best side by side with a buddy. Yeah, it, it oh, is yeah. fun to have time with someone in a tree like that. It's it's less boring. I hunted with our friend Mitch Baker over the the doe hunt here in Wisconsin, and there's probably a good reason we didn't see any deers because the two of us were talking to each other the whole damn time, sharing stories and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be careful. It's kind of tough, especially when you're like two good buddies that'll just have each other cracking up the whole time. So we had a little bit of that, and then we just got lucky, and he ended up coming right down the ridge, and and my buddy saw him right away. So we knew to shut up when we saw him. That's good, man. So I, I know the topic that I wanted to get into here, and I think maybe we can transition out and see where it goes. But you know, you you mentioned to me that there's a lot of lessons from the woods from hunting that translate into just life in general. Maybe that's parenting. Maybe that's work ethic. Maybe that's spiritual, you know, whatever those things are. I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on it. Cause you, you brought up, so I'm, I, I tend to agree with you before I even know what you're saying. So I'd love to hear kind of what you're thinking about that stuff. Yeah. You know, for me, uh, I've always wanted to talk about that on a podcast. Um, just because I don't, you know, I don't really get to tell that many people about that aspect of things. Um, most people that know me, like, just know that I, I love hunting and I'm, you know, quote unquote obsessed. But uh, it's one of those things uh, at a young age. Uh, I got into bow hunting when I was like, you know, 15 or 16. Uh, but then when I graduated high school, I got really into wanting to kill a big buck with my bow. And man, I had like so many struggles. Um, yeah, I wasn't as good of a shot. Uh, I was okay, you know, and it was one of those things where, yeah, you like that? (laughs) Um, and, uh, it was one of those things where I was really good at at just picking trees. Um, I kind of knew that we had, uh, we had good deer that were close to us and it was kind of a, kind of a struggle. So we started hunting in a really, really good area on the Eastern shore. And anybody that knows Maryland knows the Eastern shore is like where a lot of our biggest deer come from. 
And we lost the farm when I was probably like 13 or 14. So my dad kind of got discouraged and uh, just was like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to give up on trying to kill a big buck because there's not big bucks around here. And I discovered um, uh, suburban bow hunting where there is a lot of big bucks that were like within a half hour of our house. So I started knocking on doors and uh, came across, you know, some of these places that backed up to bigger parcels of woods that nobody could hunt. So, of course, there's more mature deer in those kind of areas. Well, I was always really good at catching them on the rut because I understood funnels and I understood like, hey, this is there's bound to be something big that'll come through here eventually. Well, after my first year of really getting into it, I, I made a few mistakes and it really just ate me up really bad. So, you know, I, I mean, I think I missed like a 170 class buck. Like I shot right underneath of them and I'll just, I, I just beat myself up so much. And the next year I, what I did all summer was just shoot my bow, like religiously. I got, like dialed in to shoot my bow really well. And the next year I killed, I killed my first big buck with a bow, which is probably like, you know, one twenties or something. And to me it was a giant at the time I was stoked. And, uh, two weeks later I killed the biggest buck in my life at that point, which is like almost one sixty. And the coolest thing was uh, I met my wife because of killing this deer. Um, she liked it on Facebook and, you know, the fairy tale hunter love like, story. Oh, some girl like my post in uh, my buck. This is like I'm gonna make a meme about that. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. It was really wild. Uh, but I mean, honestly, like it just really taught me that, like you know, if you really love something and you put the effort into it, it'll happen. And you know, as time went on, um, I would have struggles where, like, I just wasn't getting on deer, wasn't getting on deer, and I knew. Like you put, you put the time in and it's going to happen. And it just happened every year. And a lot of my buddies were like, dude, how are you, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, why, how are you killing these big deer? And it was like persistence, you know, and it just transferred into life. Um, as far as like, you know, if you want something like you need to be willing to do something extra, you know, do what other people aren't doing. And that was basically like, one of the biggest life lessons that came to me. And then I just, you know, started looking at life a little bit differently and like always had the passion for hunting, but you know, it transfers into a lot of things in life. It's like, if you really care about something and, and you want it and you want it that bad, like you're going to get it if you put in the time and the effort and do what you need to do and do the right things. Yeah. I think and, patience is a big one. You know, people, some people want to, you know, take over the world overnight or they want to eat an elephant in one bite. And I think, you know, I'm definitely the kind of person that'll, you know, bite off more than I can chew and just find a way to get it down anyways. But, you know, you can eat an elephant one bite at a time. You know, you can take over the world, you know, if you plot and scheme and you chip away at it and you play the long game. So patience has been a big one for me because even where we're at with this podcast today, we're still nowhere where I think I want to go with it. But if I were to contrast that to, you know, go back to episode one or two, we'd be lucky to have like 30 listeners or something like that. And, um, you know, we'd have all this stuff or, or whatever. If you stick with some, you talk about persistence, but persistence over time with most things, like right. even if you think about your career, your family, all of those things, like life is long. It goes on for a long time. And, right. you know, maybe I won't get a 160 next year or the year after that because I'm busy raising a family 
right now right. And, and running some and, businesses, but give me some time and up to apply all this knowledge. And at some point I'm willing to bet that I, I'm pretty sure I could make it happen, you know? Yep. And then it gets to the point of understanding, like, you're not going to kill a big deer where there is a lot living. You know what I mean? Uh, I think understanding that at a younger age, like, uh, just, just figuring out like, okay, well, there's not really that many big deer at my house where my parents grew up, you know, cause everybody shoots everything. So what do I need to do? I need to go find a place where mature deer actually are or where they're around. You're not going to kill them if you're not where they're at, you know? And then it just gets more into you, you like for you guys, you talk to so many people that kill huge deer all the time. I mean, what are they doing there? A lot of us are doing the same thing. You know, you hear the same thing over and over again, like hunt the wind, watch your access. Scout around people is the one I've heard most consistently and separating yourself from people using water. And and you're like, wind is a big one. There's a lot of like keystones that exist there. We talk about hunting a mature deer. I'm only just now starting to actually make sense of it all and apply it. It takes a long time to synthesize that information, put in action, actually see some results. Right. You know? but that's how it is with anything. There's a learning curve. Yeah. You don't just invent the wheel overnight. You got to get from here to there. That's what I was saying with like, it transitions into life. Like I may have been really lucky to live where I did to be able to pursue the deer that I was pursuing. But it's like, just like anything, you know, if you, you want something, you need to do something. You're not going to just get it. You know what I mean? Like you can keep hunting that same back 40 at your parents' house I'm not saying you can't kill a huge deer. It's like, you know, it's a chance, but if you want to up your odds, go hunt somewhere where you're actually, you know, have a better chance of doing it. Well, where Gary, there's more I, I'm a big uh, Gary Vanderchuk fan for everyone that knows. And most people do. And he's a pretty simple analogy for a lot of things. But one of them is if, if you want to get fit or if your goal is to look buff or whatever, or lose weight, you can't just think it into fruition. You got to go do some push-ups. <laughs> like you got to go do something about it. And your actions have to match your ambitions. If your ambitions are to get a big buck, then your actions need to back that up. Like you said, you spent the whole year shooting your bow. Those are actions that match to your ambition of doing that action. You know, if your ambitions are to just fill your freezer, that's totally great. And your actions probably don't need to be nearly as hefty, you know? It's just uh, an alignment of those two things. I think, you know, again, this, this is a good topic for me, man. I, I think there's lessons in the stuff that, you know, spill oh, the life sure. all over the place and vice versa. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, if you want another good thing that I've kind of come to, to pick up is a lot of guys are really worried about the size of their deer instead of enjoying the outdoors. And I, I mean, for me, like I'm a meat hunter at heart. Like, don't get me wrong. I want some back straps for summertime, not just the wintertime. And I used to kill like 10 to 12 deer a year. Now I come here and I'm only allowed to kill four. So I got to like, got to spare it out a little bit. You know, I I try not to eat too much of it. But um, I I mean, I kind of came from that background where my dad and I were like, well, if it's brown, it's down today, boys. We're We're bringing home some bacon. And now I'm more of the you know, oh, yeah. And now I, I catch myself. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? There's a doe at like 15 yards. Why don't you shoot it? But it's just a little bit different. Um, hunting here, I feel like 
I, I have like more reserve where I'm like, oh, there's a big deer that might come in. You know, I'm still kind of at that spot, but there is days where it's like, all right, if it's brown, it's down. Well, except for bucks, I'm not shooting a little buck here. I mean, but. No, you got to do whatever it is that, that makes you happy and aligns with your goals. I mean, especially on the meat front. I mean, right. Greg, you did pretty good this this year. You got a couple does again and you got a buck. Well, I try to do good every year. You know, and my version of good might not be, might not align with other people's, but my version of good is if I can get at least two does in the freezer or one doe in the freezer and a buck in the freezer, which is what happened this year. Last year was two does and, you know, didn't shoot anything with the gun, but I don't really care about that so much. Um, it, uh, I don't know. I've been on a roll probably the past eight years where I can get at least two deer or more with my bow. Um, and gone, if I get one with the gun, it's kind of an added bonus. I'm usually with a group of guys and we're just, bouncing around public land to public land and doing little pushes and trying to find some deer for the guys that don't get the bow hunt, you know, try to help them get a, a deer in the freezer. Yep. Like Fred bear said, a bow hunter will learn more in one day of hunting than a gun gun hunter learns in a year or I forget that's probably not exact. Don't no, sorry, but it's all, it all compounds, you know, like, <laughs> You spend more time, you know, in the woods as a bow hunter because the season's longer. You have more opportunities maybe to get out here right. and there, here and there. Gun hunting, yep. you get like maybe a weekend or a week if you're lucky. If you, live that, right. you have that kind of PTO yeah, or whatever. I so. mean, you get to learn a lot more and you're getting, you have to hunt a deer a lot differently because you got to get close to them. It's not like you can just sit your ass on the edge of a field and shoot something, uh, you know, 100, 200 yards away. Yeah. If I had a gun in my hands for every time I had a bow, I'd have a lot more dead deer is my guess. Oh, hey, Derek's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can all relate to that. But, I mean, come on, you got to admit, like, it's so much more fun being able to, to have a good buck in bow range. I, I mean, for me personally, it, it's like it just doesn't get any better. Howdy, guys. Hey, Derek. What's up, Derek? It's just uh, How you doing? a free-for-all good, today. Doing, Derek? Derek, meet Justin. Justin, Derek. Uh, Greg, What's up, Justin? Nice to meet you. Dog nice to meet you, brother. We're going ham on the mic. I keep having to mute Greg. I feel bad. I don't want to mute you, but well, no, you don't. You shouldn't have to. Now the dog's done barking at things, and the the cat has finally shut up. All right. Uh, my kids will be barking in a few minutes. I know I'm down here, so it's not going to take long. <laughs> like a ticking time bomb. <laughs> We're just talking about life lessons, you know, that translate from deer hunting and and life and lessons from life that that go back and wait. Am I saying that right? Deer hunting lessons that go into life and life lessons that go into deer hunting and the relationship between those two things. We talked about perseverance, perseverance over time. I'm just kind of recapping here a little bit since you popped in. And for anyone that was zoning out in the car, we're listening to this in podcast land. Check back in. But, you know, and everyone's goals are different, too, and that's with everything. You know, maybe you have career goals that are more pressing or maybe family goals that are more pressing. So hunting can't always be the most important thing. And maybe it is, you know. I think, you know. Derek, you were saying as a younger man, we were talking about shed hunting. You were out there constantly, and now you're just not because that's just the season of life that you're in. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Derek. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know how it is when when you're young and driven, and that bug bites you hard at a young age, and yeah. 
time to pour into something, man. You ask anybody I used to work with, and it was like that was just what I did. And like they're like, oh, Derek, he doesn't fish much. Like he just hunts all year long. That's all he's doing. And you know, life changes, and you you roll with the punches, and uh, that's that's definitely the boat that I think a lot of us find ourselves in. Is you know, time changes, and you you just out. Same little pie chart of time in different ways, and and that's, yep. that's kind of the the fun part. Yeah, definitely, man. It's life. I'm I'm with you, dude. I mean, I used to shed hunt on my lunch breaks. I mean, it was just <laughs> like any any time I could get in the woods, I was out there. Yeah, it's definitely changed. The, the family is the biggest change. It's it's hard to like your your actual identity changes. The moment you have your first kid, you become a dude to a dad. And yep. it's kind of like when you get a girlfriend, you're like, ah, oh, I have a girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, me and my girlfriend. Then you get engaged, like, this is my f- gr- fiancé. Oh, yeah, fiancé, fiancé. Then you get married, like, this is my f- wife, wife. Like, these, you go through these seasons of life where your, your identity changes. So, like, but you're a hunter through all of that. I have been, at least. I've been a hunter oh, since yeah. before I met my wife, fiancé, girlfriend. Before I had kids, became a dad. Like, hunting is the, is the throughput. And I'm thoroughly excited to pass that tradition on to my kids. Like, and look at the memories that will be made. Then you talked about, you know, it sometimes it really is about the, the memory and the experience. And I, I think that's a big deal for us for sure. And shooting whatever it is that makes you happy. And if it happens to be a 140, 160, or 170, then do that. That's, that's great. These right. guys are popping on and off. That's, that's kind of where, where I'm at. You know, I mean, I feel like everybody, <coughs> excuse me. You're okay, Everybody has like this kind of – some guys have this stigma where like, oh, well, yeah, well, you know, you should have given him another year. I mean, uh, okay. Does that deer make that guy happy? Well, then like by all means, you know, that's what hunting is about to me. Like, Yeah, I mean, what are, what are we doing? Are we, right. are we trying to make hunting fun for all? Exactly. Or are we just trying to make hunting good for that one one person that maybe they're a bit more selfish than the rest? And I might have hurt some feelings by saying that, but well, who cares? Don't be a, don't be a selfish bastard. bastard. <laughs> I mean, it, there's there's enough out there for everyone, right. and we we can all learn to work together, or you know, just learn yeah. how to work a little harder to get what you want. That's the thing that really, like, I think upsets me is like, you know, even as like a diehard bow hunter, like it doesn't really upset me that much. Like I don't really like crossbows, but I'm not going to like bash a dude that's just getting into hunting and gets a crossbow. Like right. by all means, if you're more efficient with a crossbow and you're going to kill stuff instead of wounding it. Like that's awesome. When I started bow hunting, I mean, I wounded a lot of shit. It was bad. I mean, it, and you know, should I have been out in the woods? Yeah. I could shoot a target, but like understanding that, shooting a deer and shooting a target are two different things, you know? And I think a lot of guys that might not have a mentor or something like that would be better off with a crossbow because it's easier for them to, you know, settle a, a pin or however, you know, the scope, I guess I don't know. I'm out of, out of the loop on crossbows nowadays calling pins. No, I, I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. And it's, uh, it's, I mean, you hear people say that all the time. And I've said that to guys, friends starting out, like shooting a target different than shooting a deer. And like, that's just like words when you hear that the first time, but then the first time you shoot at a deer, you're like, holy shit, what did it like? Well, how did that just happen? Like, where the hell was my pin at when I shot that thing? You know what I mean? What happened? I blacked out. Yeah. Are you making the trigger or pushing the bow to the side to see where your arrow went when you're done? You know, I mean... 
like that's that's kind of where I was going with like the whole life lesson thing. It's like it was a constant struggle, and a lot of people give up. You know, I think like like Eric was saying, it's like they want that instant gratification. Like, hey, I watched all these YouTube you know videos, and it looks easy. But when you put yourself in that situation and you've been waiting all season and a stud comes in at like 15 yards and you've never drawn your bow back on a big deer, like it's, it's a game changer. You know what I mean? Like, and I kind of had to get control of myself. And like, I always tell myself, like, don't mess up, don't mess up. Like what, you know, you're only going to get one chance at a big deer. That's what I always said to myself every year. You're going to get one chance and that's it. And sometimes you get more than one chance, but if you can focus on that and then you like mentally prepare yourself for that one shot and make it count, it's you're, you're going to, your odds of success are going to go so much higher, but you can't, you can't recreate that experience. Like, I don't care what you do. There's no training for it. It's just time in the woods and you have to make mistakes and you have to make mistakes in life. I'm going to tell you, there is training for it. It's called shooting deer. That's your best training. I'm with you. Shoot deer. I mean, and a lot of like people said, don't want to shoot does, which I don't understand. For me, that honestly, I I shot a lot of does, partially right. because the properties I I had, there was a ton of does, and I only had so much time. So it's like, yeah, I want to hold out for a big buck, but does are deer too. I also don't. Those those are deer too. I haven't yeah. shot a lot of deer, so guess what? I'm going to take advantage of that situation. And I'm going to just start shooting does. I mean, that one property, I mean, the first year I was out there, I shot four does off that property. It was an urban property. And the, the landowner, it was funny, I passed on a spiker. And the homeowner texted me. I'm in the stand. The spiker is right below me. Like, darn near licking, licking my boot prints right off the, the ladder stick. And I get a text message as that buck turns and walks, you know, away from me are you going to shoot that one? And I'm like, no, I'm not shooting that one too small. Oh, you got to shoot that one. That one's up here rubbing all over my, my maple tree. Well, I'm not feeling my one buck tag on that little guy. I'm going to yeah. let him grow. Cause I know there's bigger ones here. Yeah. But, I've been there, man. That, well, I got to say that's one thing with suburban is it's so great for somebody that's like kind of starting. Cause you're going to get close shots for one. And yeah. you're going to be able to get a lot of doe tags filled because yep. most people you get permission from are like, I hate deer, kill them all. Yeah. And- well, in, in my situation, like I was on probably a six or seven year hiatus of not shooting deer because my job pretty much took me right out of deer hunting. Okay. Um, it, it just didn't happen. So I got permission from this lady just because I was there working on her HVAC equipment every spring and fall and it worked out perfect. Oh, you got a deer problem. I might know somebody that knows how to, or that's, that, right. that's willing, that's willing to kill deer. Yep. Well, let me talk I've to my there, husband. Man. Yeah. And, and lo and behold, I got the permission and it was great. And I got some pretty fun stories from it, but oh, I learned yeah. how to, sh- I learned how to shoot deer at that property because of the volume of deer. And because literally it was like, 20 minutes away from the shop i'd get done from the shop drop my apprentice off and run out there i had all my stuff in the back of the truck it was funny i had a homeowner looking in the back of my truck (laughs) is that a bow case no it's not it's uh it's holding all my gauges and this and that oh 
Well, that's cool if it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like great. you. You're all right. Well, yeah. the, the, the old adage, uh, the years teach us what the days never knew. There's going to be, if you look at the stock market, you know, the, the graph, you know, over a long period of time, it's either going up or going down or whatever. But you zoom in on like a bad year, like the Great Recession or something, it looks pretty bad. But you zoom out over a 50-year time span and it looks, well, trends up pretty good. You know, real steady, easy going. Blue chip companies are doing good. You know, you look at your goal as a deer hunter and your, and your life and what you're doing in the woods, you're going to have your seasons that might suck. You might have your days in the woods that are terrible where you have that pit in your stomach because you missed and that was the one chance you had. But over the course of a decade or two, you know, if you keep at it, you're going to have a lot more of those better days, I think. Uh, and Justin, I had a question for you. I know you, you moved from one area to another and now we're doing more of the suburban type hunting, right? Urban stuff. Yeah, I was, uh, I came from Maryland and I mean, I, I suburban hunted for about like nine years. So I had a lot and we had three buck tags in Maryland. So that was a game changer too. Like there were a few years I'd fill three buck tags and just on top of killing eight or nine does. So, I mean, I had constant flow of venison in the house. Uh, I'm a big believer and a friend of ours learned this from an old timer. And it was, if you want to get good at killing bucks, you got to get good at killing deer first. Like Greg said, so the more deer you shoot, the better. Oh, I yeah. know a lot of areas and down where, you know, Eric and Greg and I kind of live, there's like, seems to be more and more kind of Metro opportunities and special hunts where the deer are overpopulated in these, you know, very urban areas. As far as I, I don't have a lot of, experience hunting you know too close to neighborhoods down here is a little bit different uh, from what i'm used to so there's more neighborhood ish kind of stuff but if a guy's getting started and wants to kill does right say somebody's listening and they're like hey yeah i gotta get good at killing deer do you Mm -hmm. think it's easier to get good at it in these metro areas where there's a lot more but you have to deal with the hassle of people and neighbors and dying or is it does that turn a guy off? You know what I mean? Like it's a catch 22 because there's more deer, yeah. possibly easier hunting, but is that a way a new guy should go about it? What do you think? Uh, y- yes and no. I mean, it's, it's really your preference, man. Cause some people <clears throat> look at it as like, Oh, well, you know, I don't want to hunt and have to hear all these cars or I don't want to hunt in somebody's backyard. And it's like, you know, if you look at it for what it is, and you're enjoying it, then I think it's a plus, you know? And yes, I think it's a lot easier to kill deer in a suburban property than it is to go into like a big public land parcel and shoot a doe. Um, For one, they're, they don't have as much area. Okay. They're more funneled depending on the property. But uh, I mean, you know, in Maryland we could bait. And a lot of times I would only have like a, a two acre or three acre parcel. So I mean, I was kind of forced to bait, like, and I know some guys were like, oh, yeah, you're baiting a deer, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you're cheating. It's a gimme. You know, I'm not going to say that uh, it's not easier because I think it is a little bit easier, but killing a mature buck in a suburban area is challenging. Uh, They're still mature deer. um, And if anything, they're more used to people than, you know, a deer that, really hasn't been harassed by many people in like mm-hmm. the back country or something. Um, I mean, I've got experience hunting farm country. I've, I've hunted a little bit of everything, but 
for shooting does and just like if you're getting into it and you just want to, you know, hunt, let's say your grandma's or, you know, somebody in the family that's got a ton of deer in their backyard and they got a couple acres, by all means, go do it and go plug a couple does because you're going to have fun. I mean, I, I think anytime you shoot a deer, yeah, anytime you're shooting a deer with a bow, it's fun. So, I mean, you can't write it off. And, and you just take it for what it is. You know, if that's your goal and you want to shoot some deer and they're still deer, I mean, they can still duck an arrow, you know what I mean? Right. They are, not, they are still deer. Yeah. And, and that's one thing you can't take away from it. They're still a white tail. Mm-hmm. They still have their senses about them. Yeah. I mean, your opportunities are greater. The deer are moving closer. You can kind of find that one sweet spot in that three to like the piece I had was a nine acre piece and it was the only piece I could get permission on. The rest of the people had two and a half, three acre pieces around and they were okay with me retrieving deer, but they didn't want me hunting deer on that property right? on, on their property. So, and I had regulations too, like the police, they wanted to know the police wanted to know where my stand was. Oh yeah. They'd go out there with, yeah, they'd go out there with a rangefinder to make sure I was a hundred yards from any yep. going. I've, so, I've been there. I've been there. Yep. Greg. I've had so, so many people call the cops on me. I, uh-huh. I couldn't even tell you. And then all of a sudden, you know, I had one of the biggest deer I was after. Um, this guy gave me gave me permission, and like I literally never hunted the place because I had so many hunting spots back then. I had probably like ten or twelve properties, and I would literally just go and put a camera in a place and check if there was a good buck. Cause some of them I was like, this is definitely a core area where a big deer might be at. And then lo and behold, one of the bigger deer that I was trying to kill was in there. I said, uh, I go in there to do a hanging hunt and the guy's blowing leaves in his backyard. And he's like, Hey, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> and he's like, well, my wife, uh, you know, she, she's really not into it. And I'm like, well, uh, I've already got a stand back here. Like, do you mind if I hunt like this evening? Yeah, but you need to get out of here. Okay. So, man, <laughs> I go back there. I see the deer. He, like, cuts me off at, like, 50 yards and skirts around. And I'm like, ah. Like, it was, a, it was heartbreaking because, you know, you put all that effort in and you're like, there he is. But. Good luck, you know, and none, yep. none of the other people gave me permission. I mean, I knocked on like 20 doors in this place to try and kill that deer. But every once in a while, it does happen, you know. Yeah, so it is a big difference for you and where you're at now. Another life lesson. Oh, yeah. Shit yeah. changes but the I, life. You got to roll the punches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we could yeah. life lessen this thing all damn day, man. No, yeah, definitely, man. It, and it really was, uh, I think this year was my biggest mental grind. Um I, I think I only saw maybe like four bucks and they were like maybe like hundred inches or something like they weren't big deer. And I was just beating myself up, man. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm walking a mile and a half deep a couple times on public to try and, you know, hunt like a core area with good rubs and scrapes and everything. Never would see a deer, you know? I mean, I, I got lost on public land. I was so far back in there and my headlamp died and oh, I, I'm free. I like called my wife. I'm like, Hey, using my phone, uh, as a flashlight, got 10%, might, might die. Uh, if I do here, I'm sending you a pin of where I'm at. Come find me. And <laughs> yeah. It, but then, you know, it, I just said to myself, I'm like, I'm going to keep hunting. It's, it's November and the biggest year of my life 
uh, came in this year and I smoked him on film at like 15 yards. And uh, it just, it just so happens. I mean, you know, like could, I could have given up or been like, well, I, I just don't know what I'm doing wrong, but like persistence and plugging away, it's like hunt the wind, stack the odds in your favor and just hunt and whatever, at least try to enjoy yourself. But Chris, now, Chris let that, me just come in Kentucky. Is that right? He's in Kentucky yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Justin, I don't know. I know that Kentucky used to allow baiting. Do they still allow baiting on public lands or no? Uh, I don't know about public lands. Um, I really around here, man, I'll only bait a lot of times just to like see what's around. Um, now that I got like so much property, I really prefer not to hunt over bait. It's like more or less, I try to just use it as like a, a scouting strategy every yeah. once in a while. But, um, you know, a lot of guys, you're really competing because a lot of guys have feeders and everything else. And that's like the main gig. And it's good and bad because a lot of guys only hunt during rifle because they only got one tag, right? So they're like, well, I'll feed the deer all year long and then I'll go out there on opening day and shoot something. And, and it works out. And like, whatever, more power to those guys. What gets me, you know, what gets me excited is hunting deer on their natural terrain and like, it's just more enjoyable. I, I really, anymore now, I just love uh, like the cat and mouse and the chess match of finding a good buck and killing them. And sometimes, you know, you can just get lucky and they'll come right by. But uh, I mean, it, it's one of those things where it, it's just more fun to me to hunt that way. I, I like mobile hunting. And I'm not, I'm not trying to drag us down a rabbit hole here talking about baiting, but it is interesting because we used to have baiting here in Wisconsin and my family, when I started out, we, we would definitely bait up in uh, the Nicolay National Forest up close to where Eric used to hunt and kind of everybody did it. Who yeah, hunted we, up did, there. we brought buckets and of apples I'm just curious because, you know, you sound like a guy who's had some experience with it. Do you, I think, I think we could probably all agree on which one feels more rewarding to kill a big buck over, but do you think that in real time, like is baiting more effective to kill a mature deer or is it less effective for a mature buck? Um, I think it depends on the deer. If you want my honest opinion, uh, after like a lot of times after hunting with bait, I think it puts deer on edge. Um, I think the more mature deer that have been around and like know about corn piles know that it's not a natural thing. I mean, do you agree with that? Like from your experience or. I think, I think like you said, it, from my experience, it's totally the personality of the deer. Cause like yeah. we've had a couple deer over the years that like the bucks would just walk right in. No problem. Oh, yeah. But most yeah. of the mature, most of the mature bucks always skirt way down wind, never yeah. come in. And as soon as we stopped baiting, that's when we started having way more success. But yeah. I was just curious, you know, on different parts of the country, what you, what your outlook was on it. So it's good to, to hear. To an area or a spot more, too. You're like, well, I put the bait here, so I'm going to hunt here. So right. even though you might have a mobile right. setup, you're still like a te- you're planting some sort of roots there. I remember my dad used to bring right. up buckets of apples. I know Greg laughed when we talked. We brought apple juice. We'd spray down the trees. It's like because we thought we'd scent it up more. I don't know. You know, probably read in a magazine back then somewhere. But um, back to the sure. – I, I just wanted to make sure we, we give people credit for, for commenting in. But Chris Whitley um, had mentioned he used to hunt a country club. And when it first opened inside the club, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. But then after just a few years, 
the deer felt the pressure just like anywhere else. And they seemed to know when they were hunting, you know, being hunted, yeah. that they just totally turned into deers, deersy deer, where they just, that sixth sense was about them. Um, and yep. Levi said, yeah. you know, I think Chris is spot on with that because yeah. a lot of these suburban areas now, especially after these seek one guys and, you know, it became more of a thing. Like I just, I just noticed from when I started to when I left Maryland, the difference in the amount of other hunters that were actually doing it versus when I started. Like, I think I was right in the point where it was kind of a niche thing that there were other guys doing it, but not as many. So you had an advantage. And then it got to the point, man, like these big deer would come looking in the trees for you. You know what I mean? And around here, I don't see that, which is cool. I mean, which I love. Um, I just think here I'm hunting way less pressured deer. And I came from, hunting very pressured deer, you know, just from the suburbans back. But I mean, even hunting in the farms, like, uh, you know, the County that we lived in, it was like kind of an area where a lot of people just shot whatever. And like, that's cool. But you know what I'm saying? And in areas like that, you really need to hunt a little bit different. And I just kind of got used to hunting that way where hunting where other people aren't hunting and understanding, you know, why a deer would want to come here instead of there. And I just got, I got good. I always had a niche for picking good trees. So got lucky and. That's a good niche to have. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I like to pick comfortable trees. I don't know if that really helps me with killing deer. <laughs> 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 or you pick, you get one with a good lumbar support and you're like, oh yeah, I can see you all day. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, like you're... a, that's like a one in 20 tree for success usually. Yeah, <laughs> right. typically. Depends on what you I don't want to get lucky sometimes that there's split trees in a saddle too. You can just sit back and you're yeah. like, oh, yeah. Success right. might be no back day. pain that night for me, Derek. It has nothing to do with getting a deer. <laughs> 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 oh, gosh. Yeah, Chris said, um, Levi said, you know, a ton is uh, hunting. You know, it's fun. It's hunting elk in, in deer in Yellowstone National Park. How about that for some? Urban what hunting. a clown. Yeah. And and then Chris said that there was a study in Ohio, which it might be fun to go find the study, that showed that there was little to no advantage when comparing killing mature bucks over bait versus natural, which is interesting. No, because – and I, I, I would agree with that, not that I'm uh, an expert on anything, but you just look at – like you go lay scent down. You walk through an area one time where a mature buck walks through – what are the chances that buck's going to come walking through there again? Probably not the greatest. They'll walk right. through the area, but they're not walking where they caught the whiff of that human scent. Right. So then they are going to work the downwind and move around. They're not gonna. They're not going to walk right up to that bait pile. Not during shooting hours. That's for sure. I used to know a guy that would sit like forty yards on the outside of a corn pile and just wait for deer to skirt by. And he killed a couple huge deer like that. Like he would catch them maybe like 80 or a hundred yards. Like he would let the does come in and eat the corn. And then these bigger bucks would like, he'd find the trail that would be like skirting around in a thicket or where, whatever the situation was. Sure. But, uh, man, I mean, it worked for him. And, uh, I mean, I, I watched it. I watched him kill one one day. It was pretty cool to just see how he's like, yeah, I'm like, you're not going to hunt over the corn pile. He's like, no, watch mm-hmm. this. I'm like, Okay. And sure enough, man, he, he came back that evening and, and smoked a good one. So that perfectly illustrates the, uh, the ideology of, you know, hunting a deer, uh, where he lives versus hunting a deer where you want it to be. Cause then right. like, 
said, you're you're playing off of that behavior. He knows you're there. He's going to mm-hmm. be on edge, just like you said before, Justin, versus when you scout out the sign and you get where he lives, they're not expecting it, right? That's their safe zone. And if you've right. gone, done your homework and you've done it right, you slip in. It's a nice, you've done it on his terms instead of your own terms. And I think that illustrates right. it perfectly. Yeah. I think it's way right? better to go hunt a deer on a first sit. I think I would say... 90%, maybe not 90. I'd say like three quarters of the deer I've killed have been on a, like a first sit. Um, especially my biggest ones. I mean, it's yep. just like you leave, a, leave a place to learn and slip in there. Like that's, I've always been a good rut hunter because I just understand funnels and bedding areas and I'll just get in between a bedding area and on a right wind. And that dude just comes cruising in and has no idea. And it's game over. <laughs> The, the gizmos and gadgets of today have made it hard for people to do the first time thing because you, you scout out a spot and everybody, you know, you want to put a camera over it or you want right. to try a mock scrape there. And every little thing you do yep. just takes away, like you said, takes away. And yep. I realized, man, I, I tell my dad that all the time. I said, look on your walls, look at all the big ones. Every one is when you did not hunt that spot that year. Every one of them without fail at our place yeah. is the first time in. Every one. Right. That's why I, that's why I like for me, Derek, like I'm, I always loved shed hunting so much because I would find a really good hunting spot and I would already mark down like, okay, well, here's the bedding area. Here's a good trail coming out. Here's a place I could get in with a wind. I would kind of try to pick a tree, but I would mark like an area and then I'd slip in there. And a lot of times, man, like your first sit's your best opportunity. I mean, you ask anybody that's killed a lot of big deer consistently. And I'll tell you if y'all have a little bit, I know we're like on time, but I'm good with rolling over on time a little bit here. I wanted to just, so folks are watching on TikTok, and I'm not, I can't monitor it well because it's, you know, 10 feet from my face, but uh, <laughs> our call in number, you can call in if you want to talk to us, two, six, two, seven, five, seven, 4122. Um, I can't put it on the TikTok screen. I can't comment it on the TikTok screens. So my phone's too far away. So I'll say it one more time, 262-757-4122. Or you can just jump into YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, and you can, you can add comments in, and we'll get them there. Um, but this, is a good, this is a good conversation. It's fun to have us all here kind of virtually, too. It's nice to see all your faces this way. I've got to worry about Greg spilling a beer on the computer or something weird from Derek punching him. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I can still try. Yeah, you can do like a virtual just a little punch. Bit of, and then... Just a little bit of general horseplay. It's fine. <laughs> but, but literally – to anybody listening to give credit to what justin just said like that is the roadbook to success that's the map like but you have to see that a lot like justin's a guy who's spent a lot of time in the woods so like he said he's good at he's lucky at picking trees he's not lucky he's just seen enough spots where he knows where it's going to work but when you're shed hunting and spending time in the off season i do the same thing man yeah find that spot right you look around on the map okay where are they coming from you figure it out Every Onyx pin I drop or every pin I drop on uh, on our on our new app, Spartan Forge there, it's I take a picture with my pin of the tree that I'm like, this yeah. is the setup tree. So when I yep. come back here in five months, I look for the base of that tree because it's going to be in the dark or whatever. Definitely. Exactly like you said, your first time in, you kind of learn, like, is this going to be good opening weekend? Is this going to be good in the middle right. of October or is this a rut spot? And the more spots you you know you throw it at, you try, the more you figure that out. And then right. you get to the point where you just you look at a tree in an area and probably go, Oh man, first week in November, that Game. tree wind, yeah. that's gonna be money. Yeah. 
I mean, I had like one of the best sets of my life last year. Um, just, you know, okay. So I moved to Kentucky. Right. And I'm like, I have no history whatsoever. And I told my wife, I'm like, well, you know, I'm looking around on one X and I'm like, that looks like a killer spot. And I literally put a pin just on, on, on X. Like, and I was like, that's where I want to be. I walk in there, dude, giant rubs everywhere. And I'm like, all right, game one. I saw like 17 deer and the buck that I killed last year, but I let him walk like, like kind of like a dumbass, but I don't feel, I mean, whatever, you know, uh, for me, like, you know, moving to Kentucky, you see all these giant bucks and you're like, ah, do I want to kill one thirty or, you know, like, eh, I know, right. I know it it was so awesome, man, because, uh, you know, I had a big deer at my house. And he was definitely bigger than the one that I had shot, but I, uh, I kind of blew it on him. He, uh, he called me, he, he blew at me, which I don't know if you, have you guys been blown at by like a really big buck before? Just once this year. Otherwise I've never, I've never had a buck. Tell me the tone of that blow was not different than anything you've ever heard. Oh, it's different. Cause it's, I compare it to a freight train. Like, yeah. I got blown at opening opening day. Like I got down in the dark, and it was a certain buck that I've been trying to catch up with for two years now. I'm fairly confident it was him, but I could be wrong. But yeah. it's you know the difference between a, a buck blowing at you and a doe. Oh yeah, and now, this thing, the tone of this thing was I was yeah. like, oh shit. I was at the base of my tree and I did too. I picked the wrong tree. I should have picked the tree that I had set a camera in. I should have picked it just a little bit further in from the transition edge. And I literally had just gotten down. It was dark. I could barely see my hand in front of my face. I was grabbing my last climbing stick off the tree and I dropped one. I had when I tucked it in my armpit and I had the other two sitting on the ground, and it slipped out of my hand and went cling, and that's when he he couldn't have been more than 30 yards away from me. He oh, stomped, man. and he blew, and he, like, came towards me and blew again. Yeah. And then it, like, and then it made the – the, Oh, yeah. Then yeah. it made the, the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I'm like, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he, then he ran off about 40 yards and stomped one more time and blew again. Yep, I'm it's like, literally it's the done. same exact thing that buck that I I uh, was trying to kill. He did. It was pretty well. Yep, it it was it was all over. I I was pretty well pretty well screwed. But it and is. I, never cool. did I see mean, him. it's not cool with the moment. But like now, looking back at it, I'm like that was actually a pretty cool experience. I mean, it was a cool experience because at least they kind of let me know I was in sort of in the ball game or I yeah. was close. Yeah, I really rolled the dice on this one, and it was funny, man. Just like going back to Suburban, this deer was bedded up right on the edge of this guy's backyard. And I said walking in, I'm like, man, I don't want to hunt. Like the wind's cutting like towards this guy's house. And I was like thinking, I'm like, oh, he's probably bedded over here, and I'm just going to cut him off. And by the time he gets downwind of me, it'll be too late, and I'll plug him. Well, no, I was wrong. He was like 50 yards on the other side, just on the other side of that ridge. And when he blew at me, I went over there and looked, and I found his bed right there. And I'm like, damn it. Like, but, hey, it's hunting, you know. It's, it's, it's part of learning. Right. You, you got to goof up, and it's just the way it is. Yeah, and exactly. Just keep going. You, you take another stab at it. Yep. We do have a caller if you guys 
if we can manage five people, <laughs> one of which we can't see. <laughs> so welcome to the shit show, everybody. Uh, we have with us on the line Luke Oswald with Publicly Challenge Podcast. I got to spend time with Luke down in uh, Kentucky. Luke, you got cops rolling up after you there? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm in my yeah, wife's office right that, now. I just blame uh, Luke. Don't worry. <laughs> we're in town. Don't worry. They're not coming after me. Y'all <laughs> <laughs> say Luke. Dogs uh, and cats and cops. Pretty good. It's, pretty uh, good. it's pretty serious out there. Huh? There's five cops that just rolled by. Jeez, anybody driving think they're getting pulled over when they're listening to this tomorrow. <laughs> Funny. Luke, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, what's up, boys? Well, Howdy. So, uh, what's going on? Yeah. No, I had a similar experience, kind of like Greg's experience, the, my target buck this year that I was chasing after. I freaking set up. It was a preset, got up in the stand. It was like five minutes before legal shooting light. And uh, kind of the same instance, a smaller buck came by. I turned to look at him. And as I turned to look at him, guess what? The bigger buck was behind him. And uh, he, he stopped and he, he snorted at me. And I'd never heard a buck snort like that before. And uh, he snorted at me, and he took off running like a rocket. And that, and one other time I saw him, and he skirted me at 60 yards, and that was the only two times I actually got on that shooter. Can anybody tell me what it sounds like? It, honestly, it's, it's just deep. it's a deeper, it's a it's deeper like sound. Yeah. Can, yeah. can someone like, give me, like, can someone, there it, it is. Yeah. Eric, Eric, it sounds like this. Oh shit! <laughs> kind of what it sounds like right there. Yes, it is. You know you yeah. messed up when you hear it. You know you. You know you. Yeah, it's yeah, very right. distinct. That's it's exactly what I said too. I'm like, oh shit! A little yeah, deeper than that, but that's right. Right. yeah, it's a little deeper. It comes than off that. in slow motion. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> Mine was a little bit of a guttural growl afterwards, too. It, it was like a <sighs> real deep, and then it was like, and then he just took <laughs> off. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, no. If I would have just held still, and he came from the complete opposite direction I was anticipating him to come. I mean, so there's like a creek, a road, some timber, and a tree line that he would have had to follow to get to me. And I, sure enough, I thought he was coming from beds but he must've been up and just cruising early or something. And, and he came from the total opposite direction where he went and got water or something and started coming that way. But it was the complete opposite compass direction where I thought he was coming and he had to get my wind too. There, there was no way he couldn't have, but it was screwed up. It sounds <laughs> like I feel a... like they always do that, man. Like most of the time they come from the spot you're least expecting them to come from. Sounds like Why a... are they so good at yeah. that, man? <laughs> It's like a sixth sense, you know. It is a sixth sense. That's how they stay alive. Right. Even <laughs> even when you got a good wind and they come in there, they're like, ah, it's right. Uh, yeah, I know how to screw up this guy's day. Uh-huh, yeah. The other direction. Well, there's, look, there's, there's an okay hunter in here. We're gonna get out of here now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then make a little baritone blow. <laughs> What's up, yeah, Derek? That's all I, had to share. I was going to say, jump off Luke, at else least your buck took off like a bat out of hell and didn't tease you. I think the last time I got blown at by a big one, he was like 50 yards away. He blew and he blew. Then he stomped and he did that little thing where they like high step and wagged their tail off and kind of shook his little butt as he took off. I was like, you bastard, you're going to rub it in like that? 
<laughs> it's like when the fish jumps after it gets, breaks the line or, you know, gets off the hook and it jumps afterwards. You're like, what the fit is over, you little a-hole? Why you got to give me the tail? Chris Whitley commented, said, the little bucks can fool you, though. Heard a hot chase going on. Had a nasty, deep-sounding grunt. Listened to it for 30 minutes before I saw the buck. Ended up being a spike. <laughs> so, he was listening over a chair. I actually did get to see the deer, unfortunately. I got to watch him blow at me, which was pretty terrible. So... There, there was no mistake in it. I was like, "Oh no, that that's a big deer." I, like I would like to have seen seen mine blow at me, but the thing is, is I've I've kicked that buck out of two different beds in that area, so he he just looked at me and said, oh, "You again? He knew. Really?" Greg, Greg's in yeah. there, like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I know there. you. I'm getting the hell out of here." Yeah, uh, I'm all <laughs> third time's not the charm. This guy's trying to <laughs> snuggle with me in my bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Like, I'm not having it. Gonna be a big spoon, a little spoon. Well, thanks, Luke, for calling in. Appreciate you uh, picking up the phone line there and, and giving us a shout. It's always good to hear from people that are listening. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something stupid a second ago. Well, it's probably better that I forgot it. <laughs> My brain, dude, the brain fog stuff is real. I, I like had all sorts of fun things lined up to say after all sorts of comments, and they're just fleeting, every one of them. So I'm glad you guys are here Lots to help pick up my slack tonight. <laughs> then I got a tablet and a phone and a mixer and a, well, an empty glass. That's probably a problem. Yeah, you just have something to do with it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> usually the, usually the, the bourbon or the scotch will help. You know, yeah. Usually, they, when I when I did when I was in the when I was in Kentucky doing the interview with Waddell, they're like, "Yo, do you have everything you need?" I said, "No, I don't have a freaking glass of bourbon." I'm like, <laughs> "What am I gonna do?" <laughs> <laughs> well, what was up? I mean, we're I, I seen a couple guys drinking beer. Was it like a you can bring beer in there or what? Oh, I don't know. I didn't. I think yeah, there was. There were a couple people with their own coolers handing out beers. I know I took a line of Kugels or a line of Kugels. No, it was a Coors. I don't know what it was. But I, I was like, I'll, yeah, I'll take a freaking beer, you know? Right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I was kind of looking for one. I'm not going to lie. But uh, hmm. we, we had a, a great time, man. I, I hung out at the Linwood booth for a while, and we walked around. Were you with Byron? Yeah, I got to hang out with him for a little bit. Man, he's awesome. He's such a good dude. Yeah, he's nice. It's funny. I, I, got, yep. I went over there and finally talked with him in person. And I, I've talked to him more times than I can count on the phone and – chatted him up and all this and that. And then I met him in person. He's like, man, I feel like I already know you. I was like, yeah, it's the same. I, we've obviously right. already met, but it just, it was this, he's like, I haven't met you yet in person. I was like, no dude, this is the first time we've met. <laughs> his, his energy is just like, he's, I don't know. He's like the kind ages, human, you know, like yeah. he's talking to you. You're like, yeah, man. Hell yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> like, he's like, Oh dude, is this your first ATA? Oh, you're going to freaking love it, man. I'm telling you, I'm like, Oh man. I'm already excited. I don't even know what I'm getting into, but I'm excited to go in here. Overall, he's genuinely a good dude, and he is super excited about anything whitetail. He's listening, so you know what? He's not a good dude. I'm I'm trying to. (laughs) Yeah, I'm waiting for him to tune in the comments. He commented earlier. I think he popped in. (laughs) He dropped a comment. He probably popped out. He's probably putting his kid to bed. But he, uh, you know, we tried doing some filming for him this year. Um, We didn't try. We did. You did. Well, we no, did. I didn't do a very good job, but I, I got some clips into him, so he was much appreciated to it, and we tried to help each other out, and he, he's a good guy. I sent um, him, like, ten clips of me going to Quick Trip before every hunt. <laughs> 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 he's going Quick Trip. We don't even have that down here in Ohio and Kentucky. 
Yeah, it's probably like yeah, what do you, you think of Kentucky, Eric? Did you get to go to the bars or anything? Nah, uh, dude, I, mean, I, I got I got some decent dinners. I stayed at the Galt House downtown. I really wanted to go on a river gambling boat. I didn't do that. Uh I just went out and got dinners with folks. I didn't do the whole bar. You didn't take a shit with the door open to make beef jerky, did you? I didn't get mace in the face. I didn't see any strip like nothing like that, man. I was just like you know what I I was pretty enthused about trying my first ever uh what's the the derby pie? I tried a derby yeah. pie. That was really exciting for me. I had a nice uh, burger. I had a good steak. I, that was it for me. It was like a vacation for me, honestly. Like you're, I, a, you're a good, wholesome family man, Clark. Yeah, yeah. I was just happy to have a bed to myself for a minute. <laughs> Not that I don't like seeing my wife, but lately it's been like my wife and three kids. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I'm yeah. like falling off the bed and never installed my covers. I was like, this is good. I get a whole bed to myself, <laughs> you know. Are you guys going to go to the uh, Harrisburg show? Uh, no, we're so OKS Hunter is exhibiting at the open season show in the Wisconsin Dells. We're going to dip our toe in the water for that one. Greg's building the booth. If that show goes well, then we're going to crank up and do a whole bunch more. Cause at that point we'll have the setup. We'll have the system put in place for merch and everything. Um, That's awesome. so we'll see, we'll see. We don't know what to expect. We've never done it. So everyone says good things, but you know, it's probably different for everybody. I imagine. Yeah. But the ATA is different. That's an industry. Just hang out, bring some beers. Yeah, we'll podcast. We'll shoot the shoot the breeze of people. I was gonna say shoot the poop. Uh, Whatever. We'll podcast. (laughs) Only you. (laughs) I didn't say shit. (laughs) So then it sounded really weird. (laughs) And called the shit poop. Oh, I was was waiting for somebody to drop. Don't put it out, poop Harold or whatever. <laughs> well, I think, you know, honestly, Justin, thanks for hanging out with us, man. You'll have to be a repeat and you can call in anytime. You know, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate y'all having me, seriously. Yeah. And you you're in Kentucky. So our friend Brad is in Kentucky and a few others, Braden and, and the, folk, uh, the folks over at Go Wild. Are you on Go Wild? No, I actually I don't know anything about it. So you go, need to go check it out. They're sponsors okay. of ours. They're friends of ours. But check out if you go to like, I don't know if you have an Android or an iPhone, it doesn't matter, but Go Wild. If you Google, like, I think it's time to go wild. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of go wild out there, but there's their logo is like a GW. It looks really cool. Uh, it's a social platform for just hunters and outdoorsmen and women, and you're not going to get censored for stuff. I'm not trying to give them a big plug or anything, but it'd be cool no, to see on cool. there because yeah, I'll check it out, you can, you can I, like, actually, I remember somebody mentioning something about that. It's uncensored. Well, they're right. They give you- yeah, they're right in Kentucky, man. So it, it's kind of oh. neat. If that's where you are, you might actually get to see some of those folks. It, it's a cool space. Right on, man. Follow us, because then we can talk to you. But you can set up, like, your gear, so you can, like, outfit yourself on their platform with the stuff you're actually using, so other people might be like, hey, how'd you get yeah, that? Yeah, you can, you, you can do a full gear review, so if you yeah. like a certain okay. arrow, a certain bow, release, whatever, you can put it on there. If they have it on there, or you can enter it in there, it's a little bit of work to enter new stuff in, but, you know, trail camera, whatever, whatever it is, pair of socks, yeah. you, can, you can put it in there. Um, but we're all on there. I mean, on my account, you're going to see everything from bluegills to squirrel fishing or <laughs> squirrel fishing. <laughs> squirrel fishing. Have what? another beer. Uh, uh, yeah, PBR that's a new sport, ASA by the way. Squirrel crap. fishing. I'm there oh, for the bush lights and squirrel fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Derek's game for some squirrel fishing. Hell yeah, let's go. Buddy. <laughs> it's a <laughs> podcast of the squirrel fishing podcast. I think squirrel, it has a lot of squirrel fishing. Yeah, Just buddy. New, Greg. You, didn't even know. you did. I did. It only took 16 ounces of an IPA to do it. <laughs> I haven't eaten since lunch. Craig gives me shit for drinking my bourbon. But... Drink another one of them. You'll be good to go to. Oh, I'll be good to go. Justin, 
Dustin, I'm going to have to follow you on Instagram or wherever you do all your stuff. And you'll have to message me when you find the tree. You just send that one picture. I'll know. And I'll share one back with you. We'll just, yes, sir. Definitely. <laughs> it was great meeting you, Derek. Definitely, man. I was going to look you up once I got off here and we'll, uh, we'll start chatting every once in a while, man. Cool Good stuff. I'm going to go ahead and uh, oh, Luke says I should zoom in myself. Why the hell would I want to do that, Luke? Uh, <laughs> I can do that, though. Look at this fancy technology. Ready? Here we go. And I have officially zoomed in on myself. There we go. Tighter. Oh, a little tighter. Fancy. I could do tighter. Right. Tighter, tighter, tighter. Right in uh, time for the people that hung around till the end. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Those well, I'm gonna are end the live broad- fans. Thank that's you. right. I'm going to end the live broadcast. If you guys want to hang out here for a second, we can. Otherwise, uh, anyone that's tuned in, adios. We'll see you in podcast land. Hey, and don't forget to catch your deer and fish your squirrels. (laughs) Don't forget your release. (laughs) All right, thanks for hanging out this far into the show. I'll do a shameless plug. And if you like the show, give us a review. Uh, It could just be a rating. I think I like reviews because I like to read them because I'm curious to see what people think about all this. And I'm always looking for ways to improve. If you guys understood how much content I look at and our own stuff and how people engage and what I think I can do and all the ideas I have cooking up and how many domain names I own, it's a problem. Uh, but it's because we're always trying to improve. We're doing improvements with technology and and uh, software and the room and the relationships and the traveling and the trade. We're doing so much stuff. So just kind of always want to be improving and um, we believe it's your show. So you should tell us what you think. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, for those that have been listening to the show for an extended amount of time, uh, years or more, or whatever, you know, we we rebranded into OKS Tundra Podcast last summer. I think it was July, and previous to that, it was Where to Hunt, and we started Where to Hunt in 2013. I think was the first episode. So along the way, we've made a ton of good friends, built a lot of relationships. Um, you know, I met my business partner, Tyler, for OKS Hunter. I met because he was a listener of the podcast. Greg Tubbs was a listener of the podcast, uh, and he's now the, co- the co-host. I met Derek through Greg because of the podcast. I can't tell you countless other relationships and friends that I've made along the way. It's really great. Um, one of those friends that I made along the way is Anthony Heller with Deervane, and he frequently, and for some time now, I think over a year, has done our tip of the week. It's something that I used to do a long time ago. And then uh, through conversations with Anthony, he is giving such good tips to people on such a frequent basis that I was like, dude, you're way better at this than I am. Uh, if you want to just, <laughs> you know, lob me a recording once a week, I'll put it in our show. So he did. And he's been doing that for a long time. Um, you know, just like me, he's a busy dude. He's raising a family. He's got a lot going on. He's got a career and so forth. So uh, there's ebbs and flows to that. So this week it's back. And I wanted to just take a second and say thank you to Anthony for doing this because it is work on top of his additional stuff that he's doing. Um, and we have a really strong team. You know, Greg, Tyler, Derek, our buddy Jared, a few other folks. People are writing articles for the website. People are helping with some content and videos and being guests and calling in. There's a really strong community here, and I'm really proud of all of it, to be quite frank, because back in 2013, it was just me. And I wasn't doing any of this stuff that we're doing these days. And, you know, it wouldn't be possible for me to do all this stuff by myself, especially without the support from our listeners. So, you know, the fact that we get ratings and reviews and feedback and call-ins and engagement on social and tags here and tags there and shares there and shares here and 
you know, whatever, that stuff matters to us a lot. You know, it keeps us going. So shout out to Anthony for this week. He's got the tip of the week. We'll uh, roll that now. And I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week. Uh, Come back to podcast land, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, YouTube. Um, We're going to have an additional episode to talk about shed hunting on a much much more granular level than the last one we did. And uh, in case you want to learn more about that even further and you enjoy reading, you can check out our website. Our blog section has a pretty good article that Derek put together about how to find sheds. So anyway, thanks everybody and uh, enjoy your week. What's up, everyone? Anthony Heller here with Deervane, and this week's tip of the week is to really sit back, take some time, and reflect on your hunting season. And I don't mean just like think about it as as you're like wandering through life, but actually like next time you're driving or even at night, turn off all your devices, sit down, take 10, 15, 20 minutes, and really just dedicate that time to thinking about your hunting season and picking it apart so that you can identify the things that you did really well and also identify the things that you need to do better next season. So for instance, did you plan your entry and exit routes properly? Did you put too much pressure on your property? Did you understand the pressure from the neighbors? Did you understand the pressure from other public land hunters out there? Uh, did you understand your equipment well enough? Did you shoot well enough? Do you do you have the right equipment? Do you need to use ground blinds? Do you need to you know actually start hunting from the ground rather than only a tree stand? Do you need to get a tree saddle? Um, do you need to actually really go out and start scout scouting more? Do you need to scout more in the spring? Do you need to glass over the summer? When is the best time to hunt the property that you're hunting? Did you see the most movement in the early season, the mid season, the rut, or the late season? You know, really sitting down and picking apart all of that information and analyzing it can really help you at like do better next fall in the fall of 2022. You know, just just sitting there and hunting this season and then going ahead and just going through the motions and doing it again next season, you certainly can get lucky and you certainly can have success that way. But the odds, the whole thing with hunting just in general is putting all the odds in your favor. You know, the, the right odds of getting the correct entry and exit route, the right odds of the pressure, the right odds of the wind, the right odds of the tree stand height, the right odds of the shot distance and the tree stand location and trail selection, all that kind of stuff. It's all just putting odds in your favor. And what you really want to do is is stack those odds and reflecting, taking a look at that and really analyzing, you know, what, what options you did or what tactics you took that really did put the odds in your favor and had you really close to those deer. And then wondering why, you know, really picking apart why you were successful in that hunt or why you got close. Then also all the other hunts that you didn't didn't get close, picking apart those as well. All right. I know this is a long tip, but I hope it helps, guys. And really, uh, honestly, sit back, take some time. I know it will be helpful for, for almost everybody out there. All right. Catch you guys later.